0: Time to boogie if you're a Washington Commanders fan because they have officially been sold or the sale has been approved by the NFL. And now I guess all the I's need to be dotted and the T's need to be crossed. But I mean, this is officially pushing Dan Snyder out of that particular franchise. That's the big news today in the fast lane. It did shuffle around some things, including one of our July questions, which we might get to in the fast five at five ish. But there are other topics, including a pressing leaderboard over on the other side of the pond to kick off the Fast Five at Five ish. It's time for the Fast Five at five-ish. Five ish. Five fast paced, quick witted things you need to know right now. Number five Fear the Flow Fleetwood. There we go. That's the how you have pick to say it. From our guy, one of the picks from our guy, Paul Stone. Pro handicapper who was with us yesterday in the fast lane, tied for the lead along with Emiliano Grillo and Cristo Lamprecht. Am yeah, I, I, I d- even pronouncing it correct, or am I just saying it sounds fancy to sound like I know what I'm talking I about? I
1: do know Ed, but I feel like you have to say the leaderboard in a British accent because it's the Open
0: Championship. Well, you could do the rest of it. Ain't no way I'm pulling that thing off.
1: Brian um, Harmon is is tied for fourth at four under with Antonio Rosia and Adrian Altatagdi. I don't know how to say that name. And that's getting to Jamaican. Uh, Wyndham Clark.
0: (laughs) I love it. You shifted from a a British accent to a Jamaican accent all in one. My wife, by the way, used to make fun of me because whenever I would try to do foreign accents, it all just, it always just divul. I don't know. It just, it spun down into a Jamaican accent. And I'm not saying the Jamaican accent is bad. I'm saying if I'm impersonating the Jamaican accent, that's bad.
1: Wyndham Clark is at three under par. He is tied for seventh. Max Homer also tied seventh at 3-under par. Jordan Spieth at 2-under. Uh, a couple other notables. Xander Schauffele, 1-under. Victor Hovland at 1-under. Keegan Bradley at 1-under. Brooks Kepka at 1-under. Scotty Scheffler at 1-under. And uh, Rory McIlroy had a big par save is at even par on the day.
0: One of the things to note, by the way, from this is a lot of those golfers that did have a good day today were the golfers that teed off earlier in the day. Now, Emiliano Grillo is not one of that, those groups, but there are a number of other golfers who teed off early today and tee off later tomorrow. That is something that Paul Stone, pro handicapper, mentioned yesterday in the fast lane was worth monitoring who would perform well at this particular event and looking at that particular group of golfers. And so, yes, it should not come as a surprise that that group is in this particular organization as well, or is in that particular classification. Golfers that are up near the leaderboard, but I like it. Five under par is good. It means the course is not absolutely annihilating these golfers, but there's time for the weather to play a role. Um, And you've got a chance for, you know, a decent under par score, but not like a 20 under par where it just seems way too easy number four nfl back to that league media revenue gap has grown from prior years it is up green bay packers results specifically have been squeezed but according to those results because the packers uh, are obviously a publicly owned company or franchise if you want to call it
1: shout that. out to michael massey who owns part of the uh, green bay packers
0: yes among other individuals revenue grew 7.8 percent in the nfl to 12 billion dollars last year when you divvy it up amongst the 32 teams they each receive 374.4 million dollars according to those green bay packers statements what it basically says is even though the r word has been kicked around a lot and yes inflation is uh been up what nine percent or so from a couple of years ago which isn't exactly fun to be dealing with in normal life the nfl i wouldn't call them completely recession proof but relative to the market and sports they're about as close as it gets to that Number three, liberty university the men's basketball program has released its inaugural conference usa Schedule. They did that a couple of days ago, and we got the thoughts of John Manson from a sea of dot com. Monday in the Fast Lane. It's up at Fast Lane, Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts. A um, couple of things of note. One is that Western Kentucky and Liberty seem like they're going to be teams that will be frequently competing in multiple sports for a spot atop that particular conference. They are the two heaviest favorites in the football side of things. Remember, seven of the nine teams are eligible in football to win that conference uh, because a couple of them, Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State, are making the jump up from 1 AA FCS to 1A FBS and that stupid NCAA rule means they're not eligible but in basketball Liberty and Western Kentucky they will open on the road in Western Kentucky to open Conference USA play in early January and the Flames will host Western Kentucky in early March March 9th in particular for that game what initially jumped out is especially early in the schedule I believe the entire month of January Liberty has home games, but none of them are on that coveted Saturday night, which is fantastic for attendance. They'll get a little bit of that back in February and more so when you get to the month of March. So it seems like it'll even itself out. But that to me is always one of the things that I look for just because, hey, it's a little bit easier to get to games on a Saturday night than rushing over there after the fast lane to L.A. to Bel Air on a weeknight but for liberty as well um, i think it's evenly balanced in the sense of home and away. but the timing of it is a little peculiar where liberty is going to be on the road a lot early in conference play and figure out what they need to do to certainly uh get to the point where they could contend for that conference as people expect them to be able to do number two shane van gisbergen will run the number 91 chevy for track house racing you did it right i'm proud of you you know i'm only doing it once On the Indy Motor Speedway Road Course next month, it'll be a second appearance for the Project 91 group with Trackhouse Racing. Um, Again, I love the fact that they're going out with this. The fact that Justin Marks has been open about mentioning that he wants other drivers to come in, and whether it's race for Project 91 or come in in general, this is great for NASCAR because it brings that level of attention with more of a connection to fans of different disciplines that NASCAR can get can rope into and yes produce a good quality racing project and yes track house they've shown they can perform well on a lot of different disciplines including the chicago street course and number one on the fast five that's five i could not begin to tell you anything about the skill set of lexi blue but here's the overview of it she is a four-star wing from orlando florida she's the second commit in the upcoming 2024 class for Virginia Tech and as a four star wing, the highest rated recruit to commit to Kenny Brooks and the Virginia Tech Hokies during his tenure running this particular program. The one thing I will just say is when you factor that in with the transfer portal that Kenny Brooks has utilized the last couple of years, and certainly more so now that they made that run to the final four, It shows their staying power. Will they get back to the Final Four every year? I think in a good way, with UConn elevating other teams to step their game up, you've got more teams that can now contend for a spot in the Final Four. UConn, Iowa, LSU, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, just to name a collection of those programs. Not to mention, Louisville and NC State out the ACC. Tennessee maybe gets their act together at some point in the near future. Stanford's always been solid as has Arizona. I think it's great because you've gotten a number of players that have brought this in. And yes, we could touch on the WNBA All-Star Game and the fact that they have had good ratings for that and have had great ratings over the first half of the season. I'll be honest, whether it's that or men's basketball, I don't really pay attention to regular season professional basketball that much. But certainly in the college realm, it's fantastic. And for Virginia Tech to add that staying star power, that shows that it is a good thing and looks more sustainable than just a lightning in a bottle scenario for Virginia Tech and there is your fast five at five ish so before we look ahead to NASCAR at Pocono in our votes of confidence and yes we're going to table the Mike Tomlin Pittsburgh Steelers love for a different point in time because uh, we need more time to get into that and frankly looking ahead to the NFL and college football season with our projections is something that Trey and I will do over the next couple of weeks uh when we get back from vacation so we're thinking like mid-august the week of the 7th or the 14th is when we'll start jumping in to season projections for the nfl but as it relates to nascar trey and his colleagues at frontstretch.com have been doing this really cool thing with pocono raceway at their 75th anniversary looking back at some of the most iconic moments at this particular track trey i don't think it's close to the most iconic moment when you set up the reputation of Dale Earnhardt Sr., yes, my God, shocking! Guy. You
1: picked this moment.
0: What do you dispute this? Do you have another one that jumps to mind for you? No, I'm just shocked. Like I'm—that uh, was sarcasm, man. I, I mean, I absolutely know it was, but I was okay. curious whether you were going to like argue that something else deserves to be the most iconic moment. No, in Pocono Raceway, I'm history. not.
1: I'm not arguing that. I just am. I'm. I was just trying to make a joke.
0: I get that, and I can respect that, and no offense is taken at all. Not that you care, not that we have to worry about that all the time, because you don't have a right to be offended or not offended. That's just you know how it works. Now, you can say things that are offensive and have to pay the consequences for it, but that's a, a separate angle to that. Anyway, speaking of doing things and saying things and then paying the consequences for it, Dale Earnhardt Sr. Oh, we know about that. Most notably, Terry Labani at Bristol when he spun Labonte out of the way and then defended his actions after the Bristol night race with this iconic clip. I was
1: going to get back to him and just rattle him. I wasn't going to wreck him, but
0: I got to him and he turned him around. So didn't mean to really turn around, meant to rattle his cage, Joe. Oh, yes. Didn't mean to turn him around, just meant to rattle his cage. Well, see, here's the funny thing. Pocono Raceway comes up and it produces this iconic moment, which even as a Dale Earnhardt Sr. fan, I could appreciate the fact that the shoe was on the other foot on a race that was supposed to be run on a Sunday was actually raced on a Monday, Monday, June 19th, the exact date. And yes, June 19th. This year was also on a Monday, which sparked this phenomenal moment. We well,
1: better love that accelerator a little more because Earnhardt right now looks to me like he's able to hold off. In of the car. You want here in 1993?
0: Oh, here at comes this. Mayfield.
1: He made a move on the outside there. Mayfield going for his second career He's with Pocono. He rushes him out of the way. Earnhardt goes high. Mayfield is going to win here at Pocono. Oh, my. Dale Earnhardt gets rooted out of the- the last corner just touch a person enough to get him out wide Jeremy Mayfield on the final turn of the final lap just shoves Earnhardt out of the way and now Earnhardt comes alongside Mayfield
0: I love the end of that from do we even have to credit TNN the Nashville network like I don't think they exist anymore do they no so I, I guess maybe we don't have to give them that much credit for that particular clip with the great Eli Gold on the call on a Monday race. First of all, personally, it was so fantastic to watch because I'm watching it at my prim and proper grandmother's house where, how do I say this? She was you know kind of a pinky out, when you drink the tea type of person god rest her soul love her to death but that's kind of who she was meanwhile her nascar loving dale earnhardt senior grandson uh dale earnhardt senior fan grandson is a huge nascar fan and relishing this moment but the best part was not only that dale earnhardt senior did in fact pull up to jeremy mayfield afterwards and uh, tell him he was number one but it was Mayfield doing what Earnhardt did, literally timing it out. He lurked, lurked, lurked for the last couple of laps, made his run at the end, nudged Earnhardt out of the way, and Earnhardt had no time to recoil and come back to Jeremy Afa. I mean, it's, it, it is a Earnhardt move, but literally the shoe on the other foot. And the best part of the whole thing was Jeremy Mayfield sticking his left hand and left arm out the window, pumping his fist as Dale Earnhardt Sr. is the one you can see behind him and has to see Jeremy Mayfield rubbing it in his face? I mean, it was so iconic that I don't think you can top that particular moment. And then in Victory Lane, Jeremy Mayfield following it up with the iconic Dale Earnhardt Sr. quote of Dale Earnhardt Sr. quotes: "As part of it, you know, he's got me plenty of times and uh." That's the only time
1: I ever got him. I mean, he can't say a word, you know. I just uh, want to rattle his cage a little bit, you know what I mean?
0: I love it. Love it. That's what makes Pocono so fun. That is undoubtedly the most iconic moment in this track's history. I don't think we'll get anything like that on Sunday unless Ross Chastain is in contention for the win and somebody nudges him out of the way. Is that what is fixing to happen this coming weekend in the cup race? Well, thoughts on that in our early votes of confidence. Nothing provides the intended inspiration quite like a vote of confidence. The confidence I think that the team has. The you know, winning makes you feel good, makes you confident. Now, here's our votes of confidence, inspiring you with the certainty you're seeking. All right, Trey, are we going to get that type of moment? Denny Hamlin has run very well at Pocono, as has Joe Gibbs Racing. In fact, Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex Jr. are tied. 5.5 to 1 odds as the favorites. Those numbers may vary, so shop accordingly, but they're all tied as the favorite. And the guy that has had issues with Hamlin, Ross Chastain, lurking back at 11 to 1. Might we get a similar situation playing out at Pocono?
1: So I'm going with the guys who are. In Toyotas, but with good odds, so I'm going Seabell, Tyler Reddick, and I'm going Bubba at uh, 14-1 for Reddick and Bell, and then 28-1 to because it appears Toyota is going to be fast here. Uh, 23-11 did show speed there last year, so did Joe Gibbs, so I'm leaning towards those three guys just to get the best value um, in this race.
0: I like the thought behind it because I don't think we're going to see a huge price change on the favorites unless they are so dominant in practice and qualifying, and if Truex and Hamlin, in particular, the Toyotas are. Um, you know, they'll probably be closer to maybe four to one or thereabouts. Um, but you'll have a much better idea and can bet with much greater certainty if you wanted to get down. I really like your thinking. And no, I'm not going with Ty Gibbs. He seems content right now to have about top fifteen runs, but there's something missing. Getting further up in that leaderboard by the way I don't think Chastain is horrible value at 11 to 1 if you're looking for a guy that could run really well here but I think you're spot on Trey in terms of your line of thinking and the way you end up looking at an event like this meanwhile do you have anything for either the Xfinity or the cups of the truck series races which are this weekend and both of which feature some cup series regulars
1: uh Josh Berry in the Xfinity race at 11 to 1 and uh I'll go Kyle Busch for the truck race.
0: My Xfinity pick would be Sammy Smith at 22 to 1. Right car with Gibbs, they've run well here in that series. I get it, Elliott's in that race. Also, John Hunter Nemechek has been on fire his teammate, but you know, Sammy Smith is a good road course racer. The skill set translates well. He's got the speed which you need at Pocono. That's the one that jumps out from that particular circuit. And when it comes to the truck series, theoretically go with Kyle Busch at 1 point at plus 110, 1.1 to 1 odds. But, I mean, if you're going in that direction, I'd go with a guy like a Christopher Bell or a Corey Heim who's a little bit further down on the leaderboard because I don't think, again, Kyle Busch's price is going to change that much between that point and the start of the race, and we've seen spots where a guy runs hot, but then all of a sudden it doesn't pan out anyway. Speaking of making projections for what's going to come, Phil Steele, pro handicapper, ready to make his on the upcoming college football season. That, when we return here in the Fastlane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and across the Virginia Talk Radio Network.